Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Each week, Raina Pomeroy, the life and biz success coach, and Christina Scalera, the attorney for creatives, are taking you up close and personal with successful influencers in the creative community and tackling your biggest business hurdles. Their mission is to help you, creative entrepreneurs, think beyond your daily biz so you can make the brave decisions that build your creative empire. Welcome back to another episode of the Creative Empire Podcast. Raina and I are joined today by Sherry Strong, who is an award-winning speaker, chef, nutritionist, food philosopher, and she has traveled through the journey of sugar addiction. We are so excited to have her here as the, I don't even know what this is, the Victorian Chair of Nutrition Australia, the Melbourne President of Slow Food, and the co-founder of the World Wellness Summit. You're going to have to explain all that, Sherry. It sounds really cool. You've also worked with elite athletes, billionaires, celebrities, CEOs, and everyday folks like you and I, listeners. And I'm so excited to talk to you today, Sherry, because we have a topic on the docket today that is going to resonate, I know, with our listeners and definitely resonates with with myself and Raina. You have traveled through the journey of sugar addiction, as you call it. Can you give us a little bit of a background? Like, how did you go from where you were to working with like these billionaires, celebrities, curing sugar addiction for certain people? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. I love you guys' energy. So I'm really excited to share this because it's a message that I think creatives will literally eat up. And, and <laughs> I love and, it. <laughs> and they'll be all the better for it. So just to give you a bit of background, I was born an addict. So I was definitely born a sugar addict from the time I was born. The first you know, flavor I had out of the womb was not mother's milk, but in fact, baby formula, which in the 60s was made with refined sugars, oils, salts, grains, and chemicals, including MSG, which was the not the naturally occurring one is a known neurotoxin. So I struggled with sugar addiction for the first four decades of my life. And it was definitely worse in my mid 20s, where I was a chef, I had a cooking school, I was on television, you know, doing some really interesting things in the world. And I was twice my size. So not 10 foot four. I haven't had a massive height reduction. I can now fit into one pant leg of the pants I was wearing at my biggest. And I did go on to lose the weight. So I lost the weight through running. Initially it started. And then as I started to move my body, I started to get a craving for healthier food. And I went on to hold those positions of influence, as as you'd mentioned in the bio, and like the Victorian Chair of Nutrition Australia. So I was consulting to the government on nutritional policy, and I was on television in the media, and I had a dirty little secret in that I was still addicted to sugar. So I wasn't downing the half a liter of ice cream for breakfast that I did when I was at my biggest. And I wasn't, you know, eating cookies and cakes constantly throughout the day and drinking gin and tonics and wine with dinner and big dinners and dessert. But I was just wanting it. So I was doing this thing where, oh, I'll just have one, you know, bit of ice cream. And then later in the day, oh, I'll just have one glass of wine. And I'll just have one croissant at the farmer's market on the weekend. And I'll just have one, you know, bit of pizza. So I was just wanting it into this low kind of level of sugar addiction where I wasn't actually fully alive in my body and it led to depression. It led to mood swings. I wasn't sleeping 
as well. I had brain fog and I wasn't at that place where I was having migraines and, and severe debilitating depression like I was when I was at my largest. But I knew it was taking the edge off my ability to truly step, step into my, I know the cliche story, step into my personal power, to think really clearly and be top of my game so that I could accomplish what I had set for myself was a, you know, a big mission in the world. And it wasn't until I almost lost my mother and it, interestingly enough, eight months prior to almost losing her, a business associate of mine said, you really need to take on sugar. And I remember him saying it. And in my own mind, oh, I didn't say this out loud and I'm editing it for your listeners, but I was like, there's no flipping way I'm giving up sugar. <laughs> and I certainly didn't want to be the poster girl for someone giving up sugar because I knew how hard it was to get and stay off of sugar. And when I almost lost my mom, she basically, her immune system had basically shut down because she was eating so much sugar and processed food. And she took an antibiotic, a fluoroquinine antibiotic, and we, she, we almost died. She almost died. We almost lost her. And she went into heart and kidney failure and had to learn to walk all over again and use her hands all over again. She still can't walk and use her hands fully. But when she was in hospital, she was in a room, sharing the room with other people. And there was a woman in the bed beside her who had broken her leg in a fall from a diabetes-induced stroke. And while she was in the hospital, her family, who clearly loved her, brought in a 24-pack tray of donuts to sit on the end of her bed for her to eat while she was there because she loved donuts. And I remember thinking, that is nuts. Like, can people really be that unaware of the fact that, you know, thinking that she's just had this coma from, you know, a diabetes-induced not coma. She's had a stroke from this diabetes, you know. And I started to look around. I don't know if you've ever had those moments of complete kind of crystal clarity and you're looking all around you and it's almost like things are moving in slow motion. I'm looking at the nurses who are looking really unhealthy. And I, you know, since learned that nurses, you know, are eating a lot of sugar and the doctors, and then of course the hundreds of patients in the hospital who are for the most part, a lot of them were there because their immune systems were compromised. Their bodies were compromised in some way because they were disconnected from the, the source of what actually truly nourishes them. So they were malnourished and vulnerable to disease. And I wasn't even something I even thought of. I just, it was like a knowing I had to take on sugar. Wow. What a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. I'm really curious because I feel like I am lacking the words to be able to like understand how sugar really impacts your immune system, your entire body. I know conceptually that yeah. sugar, carbohydrates, simple, you know, all of these things kind of work together. But can you give us like, can we level the playing field in terms of what sugar does to the body and why people should consider maybe cutting out sugar or how to deal better with sugar? Great question. So really important to understand is that we're not talking about the sugar in the fruit on the tree that happens in season. The sugar I'm talking about is refined sugar that's made like a drug. So in the early 90s, when I was studying to become a chef, when I was learning to become a chef, I didn't study. I was reading books. I was voracious about learning about food. And, and I remember reading On Food and Cooking by Harold McGee, and it, it talked about how sugar was made. And I'm like, I never made heroin, but I'm pretty certain this is kind of the similar process. And sugar, refined sugar, and most of the sugar derivatives or the processed, highly processed sugars, or even the fake sugars, are a process of taking anything intelligent, 
in the form of nutrients and phytochemicals and macro micronutrients out of a plant to end up with a pure white substance. And when we do this, it's made like a drug. So it actually impacts the body like a drug. So it's toxic, it becomes toxic and addictive. If you have a glass of cane juice that's just extracted from the cane, which by the way is pretty tricky to do, there's still tons of nutrients in it. And most people I talk to who've actually had a glass of cane juice can't drink more than a half a cup to three quarters of a cup because the body, it's so full of nutrients and the sweetness, the body just says, stop, I've had more. But once we start to refine it like a drug, we can now see with brain scans that it is lighting up the brain's dopamine receptors eight times more than cocaine. And it's not only lighting them up more, it's actually lighting up more parts of the brain. And so we see this addictive substance that because it's devoid of nutrients, it shuts the body off from saying, stop eating. And in fact, because it, there's no nutrients in it, we can be eating a volume of food and our body is saying, feed me more, I'm not getting what I need. And then we start to create this environment within our gut, the microflora, like candida, which is a naturally occurring thing in the body, becomes overgrown, it becomes overpowering. So there's an overgrowth of it. Candida is not a problem in small amounts in our body, it's natural. It's only when it becomes dominant and because we're feeding it a food that it absolutely loves. So candida's sugar addicts, you know, they're sugar addicts too. So we, 80% of our immune system happens in our gut. So we start to feed ourselves and it's not just sugar. It's what I call a lethal recipe, refined grains, oils, salts, chemicals, and sugars, right? And you can process anything now like a drug. So what you do is you're removing the natural intelligence and the nutrients that tells the body I've had enough. So we're eating more. We've got this volume of food in our gut. We're diminishing our immune system, which is the thing, you know, and phytochemicals are the most naturally, most powerful substances we know on the planet for protecting us against disease. And when we process a food, we remove those things. So we're less protected against disease. And so now we're seeing that there's over 144 diseases that are directly connected to sugar consumption. And by removing sugar, we can either diminish them or reverse the symptoms of the diseases, if not cure them in many cases. And so now we see this sugar is creating things. We know diabetes. We're now seeing that the heart, the sugar industry suppressed lots of information, plenty of information that conclusively proves that sugar is directly connected to heart disease. It's one of the major contributors. And the latest research is showing us that Alzheimer's and dementia is called diabetes of the brain or diabetes type three, and there's a direct connection with it. So beyond the diseases that don't often, you know, dissuade us from actually having sugar, there's the thing that happens daily. So the brain fog, the lo loss of energy, not sleeping well, not waking up well, not, you know, having the even moods that homeostasis within a healthy body has. So it's like, I'm going through some really trying times right now. I'd lost my aunt. She's the third of my mother's closest siblings that she's lost in two years. I'm losing my cat of 18 years. He's an old man. If I was on sugar, I would not be handling it very well because it creates this unstable environment, your body and your brain. But because, you know, I'm not my old sugar addicted place, there's this kind of calmness and evenness that takes over the body that helps you deal with stress and pressure better. And probably the biggest thing that I think is robbing people, it's not just those other, you know, symptoms that I mentioned, but depression and low levels of depression, it's robbing us. It's of our daily joy that we can naturally tap into. And as creatives, it's definitely sugars not giving your brain what it needs to get the synapses thinking. Often we think we de are dependent as creatives. We think, oh, if I just have a coffee or I have the substance, I'm going to actually think better. 
And the mind can justify anything <laughs> so we can convince ourselves. But the truth is, is that when, when I get people off of sugar, every single area of their life improves from their health naturally to the way they're thinking and the way they're feeling to their relationships, to their business. Oh my gosh. I'm so curious about this. So <laughs> I'm curious about, you're saying that sugar and eliminating sugar will help you in a lot of different places. And I think that when we have certain symptoms, like I feel really tired or, and I need a nap or mm -hmm. I feel tired. So I should drink more coffee, which is what I, I, what I hear a lot in our industry. And I I've said myself, and I'm sure a lot of other things that come along with sugar and like self-disclosure, you guys know, I talk about gummy bears a lot. I love, I mean, like I, I eat sugar myself. And so I guess I'm asking for myself and for our listeners, what are some of the other symptoms that are tied directly to sugar and what kind of things we might ex expect as a body gets detoxed from sugar? Well, there's, there's kind of, you know, lots of levels and layers. It really impacts every single area. So number one, sugar cravings. We all know if we're addicted is if we're craving it. It's like, how do you know if something's addictive? Try and give it up <laughs> and you'll find out. So there's a lot of our time that actually gets consumed by eating sugar and, you know, and the hangovers. So you can get, you can actually get sugar comas and, and hangovers the next day. You can have disrupted sleep. Um, Obviously, you're getting colds more often. That's a big one. Take sugar out of your body. Take refined foods out of your body and try and get a cold. It's really hard, right? You're going to th think more clearly and tons more energy. So, and we're not talking about bouncing off the walls, ADHD energy, really grounded, deeply rooted energy. No more crazy mood swings, right? You're going to be able to think clearly. And basically on the kind of the inner side of things, when we have too much sugar, it can actually strip nutrients from our body and it can actually create what we call sugar erosion of our vital organs. And then on the superficial side of things, what I notice uh, consistently is when people get off of sugar, color starts to come back into their face. Their skin bounces back and everyone will say, I promise you, you get off of sugar and you will always have someone or many people who will say, you look younger, you look healthier, what's going on? So there's like this natural color that comes back into the face and a vibrancy and elasticity into the skin. So from the dark circles under your eyes to acne, there's lots of ways that sugar, you know, that jowly kind of thing that happens along your chin, you get sugar out and you, you'd be amazed. You don't need to have a facelift. You know, your, your skin starts to have so much more vitality in it. So it really does impact every single area of our life. Yeah, sure. How long does this take though? Because like I have tried mm -hmm. to quit sugar. So maybe I'm not doing, I know I'm not doing it the quote unquote right way because, <laughs> you know, I'm still using stevia. So that's like kind of an artificial sweetener, but it's from what I understand a little bit better, but I'm totally addicted to stevia now. And, you know, coming off of sugar, it's, it's really hard as well because I don't eat gluten. I haven't for six years. And a lot of the foods that are replacements, so I can't eat pasta, but I can eat rice, which is obviously white refined rice, has a lot of sugar. It turns immediately into sugar. I actually don't drink alcohol, so there's not that. But then I also have like just different sneaky places where it comes in that I don't even suspect it. So for example, I'm just kind of thinking of like potatoes, rice, the things that I am able to eat, salad dressings. I usually look for no sugar added, but like at the end of the day, it's actually pretty difficult ketchup. It's really hard to get sugar out of, of your diet. So like how long does it take to like stop having that like obsessed, I, I have to have this type of craving mm, yeah. and like how long do we does it take to start to see some of these results that you're talking about where 
sleep is improved, your jawline looks better. Like how long are we talking about here? Well, again, it depends on the level of addiction and damage that you've done to your body. But what I've seen consistently is within three days of the last time you had sugar, those crazy cravings go away. Doesn't mean you're not going to be triggered and you'll have a craving. It's that, that, that thing where you can't not do anything but get sugar that goes away. Within seven days, people are usually sleeping better, have more energy, have that, you know, greater mental clarity and the brain fog is gone. And, you know, if people are suffering from chronic pain and diseases, literally a week of no sugar and what we call hypernourishing switches a lot of those things off and the inflammation goes down. I have two programs right now around the sugar piece. We have a seven day challenge. It's seven days, eat less sugar challenge. And that's for people who can't give up sugar. You know, it's like, I just know I can't give it up. And it's an approach that gets you ready for the second program. That first program, the seven day challenge is free. We offer that to the world and we want to have a million people in the world taking us up on that program. And what that program does is it starts to get you to cut down your sugar um, over the seven days. You're, you're reducing it every day, but you're now also replacing it with higher quality. You're upgrading the sweets that you are having. So that automatically changes the amount that you'll actually consume. And then what we're teaching you is the process of hypernourishment. So getting your body nourished because a nourished body and not just physically, right? But a nourished body that's nourished mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, as well as the physical sugar doesn't have the same power over it. You know, often we're, we're actually having the sugar because we're stressed, because we're feeling an experience of discomfort in many people's lives. They're doing it because they're not actually living the life that they're meant to be doing. We all have meaning and purpose that we come to this earth with. And when we're not doing it, we feel uncomfortable. And so that's another reason that, you know, we'll get to sugar and have sugar, but literally you can notice difference in three days. Absolutely. will notice a difference in seven days. And within eight weeks, you actually have this feeling, my business is called sweet freedom. And that's the the feeling that you end up having. In fact, in that eight week program, we don't get you giving up sugar until week four, because a lot of people who go cold turkey miss vital steps that actually keep them off of sugar. So a lot of people have gone off of it for a day or a week or a month or even a year. But most people report saying, well, I went back on on sugar. And the reason why is they're not actually doing the underlying work that drives the behaviors that gets you and, and keeps you off of sugar. And so, as I said before, if, if sugar is a drug, it requires us to have a strategy, not a diet. And so there's a systematic approach and depending on your level of desire and commitment and, and what it is you're wanting to accomplish in your life, there's always a way to do it. And when you do do it, <laughs> I promise you every single area of your life just starts to improve. Oh my goodness. This is so interesting. Sherry, just to give you some context, I used to work as a social worker and have training in the addiction field and just hearing about this and, you know, thinking back on my training. And one of the things that you said was you have to take out the sugar, obviously, but you have to also replace it with something Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people will take something out of their life in order to stop being addicted to it or stop doing something, but they don't replace it with a more healthful and helpful habit. And so I love that you mentioned that and that there's a strategy behind the things that you're doing. It's not just, hey, do this one thing and then you'll be good, 
but here is the process that you have to grow through and develop these habits, it sounds like. I know a lot of our creative entrepreneurs and probably a lot of people in the world struggle with this like diet mindset of being a perfectionist. And like if they try it for one week and they do it fine for, you know, seven days, high five, we did it. But then on day eight, they like, you know, discovered that something there was sugar in something that they didn't really anticipate. And they're like, well, forget it. Like just forget about this whole thing Mm -hmm. and kind of fall off of the wagon and have this perfectionist mindset of, well, I just did, I broke my streak. So like, what's the point? (laughs) I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah. I've heard it. I've lived it. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm curious, what do you do when you're saying cut the sugar out and instead, I guess, replace it or at least start with, you know, let's cut some of the sugar out instead of cut all of the sugar out and maybe not have that perfectionist mindset. What what would you say to somebody like that? Absolutely. That's, you know, perfection's the enemy of progress. I think they they often say that. So there are many tools that we give people, non-food tools, as well as showing them how to actually prepare foods that don't cost the earth, that aren't hard to prepare, and that taste great. Because a lot of people will go, okay, I'm not eating sugar. I'm just going to eat healthy stuff and it tastes like crap. And they're like, no, I want the, <laughs> I want the sugar. So we have lots of tools. One, and there's a process. There's like a process. We get people to become aware of where sugar is in their life, not just in the physical world of, you know, the sneaky places it's hiding or how much they're having. But we also show them how to find out the awareness piece around what triggers you to have sugar? You know, what is it that that's happening in your life that's triggering you? So, and then moving into a place of something I call unpatterning, which I also affectionately refer to as the Costanza method. So it's helping to understand this is what I'd normally do in this situation. And if I want success, I have to do the opposite. <laughs> Find the thing that's actually triggering you to have the sugar, because if you go off a sugar cold turkey, you might be able to stain it with discipline and willpower for a short period of time. But if you haven't addressed the underlying factors of it, it's only a matter of time before you you know, go back to it. So it's about setting up the foundation so you have a nourished way of actually eating because a body that is nourished doesn't crave sugar anywhere near like a body that's malnourished. So they've done tests with rats. Sorry about this, you know, you sensitive vegan ears. If, but the test showed when they fed rats a proper diet, you know, where they were nourished and they were given a choice between water and alcohol, they chose the water. And when the rats were malnourished, they chose the alcohol. And they did the same thing with the social structures around what they did is they they gave them a choice between water and alcohol, and they deprived them of social connections. And they chose the alcohol. And when they gave them a choice between water and alcohol, but they gave them this beautiful social environment with other rats and, you know, things that they could play with, all that kind of thing. They chose the water. And so that awareness piece, we have to start to understand that we as a species, the human species, we are designed to be a social species and an interdependent species. Now with our digital world, we're moving away from one nature, which nourishes us, you know, so our food's being processed, we're sitting in front of a computer, we're not connecting with other people. And so awareness has to come into it if you want to get and stay off of sugar. Then you have to prepare real food. You have to learn how to nourish yourself. And that for many people takes time. And then there's another piece of finding your why. And there's Simon Sinek talks about companies finding their why and that people will, you know, buy from you when you find your why. Well, with sugar, sugar is really sneaky and the mind can justify anything. And so 
or I like to show people how they can have an arsenal of whys and whys that are connected. You might have some superficial whys, like getting into the bikini or slipping into your skinny jeans with comfort. But you need to have things beyond that because when you're triggered, if you've just had an argument with some someone or you've just had a, you know, a attack of shame, you know, fitting into your jeans or the bikinis, you just go, I don't really care about that. I just want the ice cream or I just want the cookies or whatever it is. And so if you have deeper whys connected to the meaning and purpose and why you're actually here on the planet and the thing that actually brings you the most joy and connects you to your soul and what it is you want to create in the world, and you connect it to that and you have different levels and layers of whys, you can usually reach for one when you're triggered. And when you do that and your your house and your life is set up to nourish you, you're much less vulnerable to the kryptonite of sugar to step into the, you know, that super, super you life. There's many steps, you know, involved in, in getting off of sugar that we cover within the our eight week program. But just in the seven day challenge, you know, which again, I'll say is free to the world. <laughs> and how do people get access to that? Can you share the link? Yeah. You just go to sweetfreedom.ca. So Perfect. we're a Canadian uh, group of people bringing this to the world. So the .com was taken, but sweet freedom is the result that you're going to feel after getting and staying off of sugar. And that's, we feel that if, you know, more and more people, if we had millions of people who were free from the hold that sugar has, their brains would be so much better equipped to find solutions to heal the planet, which is, you know, what we need right now. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. If somebody were interested in obviously be like excited to, you know, explore this, but they're not really like entirely ready to commit to Mm -hmm. the whole sugar free thing, but they're saying, okay, I I see that there's a possibility that, you know, my life might improve if I do decrease my sugar intake. Is there an improvement? Like is like a prolonged improvement if we don't quit it entirely, but we just cut some of it out? Yes. And so there's, you know, there's lots of different ways that people do the program and people are in different stages. Really only 1% of the population scientists are saying that can't handle any sugar in their life. And so in complete transparency, I, I'm not a perfect eater. You know, I will have ice cream occasionally. Sometimes I'll have a croissant at the farmer's market on Saturday. And I had real cake for my birthday, not, um, you know, some kind of low fat, no fat, fake cut, you know, no sugar, low sugar, fake sugar cake. I had a real cake. So the only time sugar becomes a problem is when we're not conscious and not connected to nature and our nature right? Those are the things that where it actually gets in and and becomes, we're no longer conscious, we're eating it mindlessly, you know, we're eating it as an addictive substance. There are plenty of cultures around the world who have had cakes, you know, and desserts and sweets. They weren't made with highly refined sugar for the most part, but I'm sure you know of people who can have sugar and they enjoy it and then they can just push it away. They can have a few bites and then it doesn't do anything for them. And it's because they haven't used you know, learn to use sugar as a drug. So there's lots of ways that you can actually do it and adapt it to your life. And there's no one way and there's definitely no one diet, but you will definitely notice a difference if you're having a lot of sugar and just wanting it as, as I am. So when I'd lost all that weight and I was holding those positions of, of influence, I had that dirty little secret that I was still eating sugar. And then I was just wanting it, you know, just, just one of this, just one of that, you know, I'm only having one bowl of ice cream a day or, you know, I'm just having and one glass of wine a day. And then you start to get into that low level of, of compromising your immune system. You know, it impacts everything. So if you just start to pull it back and you have upgraded choices of those things, 
or things that give you a feeling of well-being. Of course, it doesn't alter your state immediately and give you that drug-like feeling that we're often using sugar to quell, you know, some discomfort within us. But you learn to become addicted to things that actually give you a lower but long-term high, that high on life kind of feeling. But absolutely, just by taking the seven-day eat less sugar challenge and reducing the amount of sugar you have and upgrading the sweet choices that you have and nourishing your body, you're absolutely going to notice a difference. Sherry, how does somebody tackle the story that they just can't do this? That that was a story that I had for a long time and still have some days where I just, I'm like, I, I just can't do this. Like sugars and everything. It's too hard. I don't have time to work out. I'm working all the time. You know, I don't have like those healthy replacements that are giving you the, the different, but the dopamine and the serotonin and all that, like the, the activities that you're talking about that replace the way that we feel that with sugar. I'm, I'm thinking probably exercise, maybe there's some other ones, but anyway, I mean, how does somebody start to conquer that story that like, this is for somebody else that's more worthy of taking your challenge or is, you know, in a different place that they're better suited to perhaps come off of sugar and they're just not there yet. Like how, how do you encourage and support those kinds of people? That you raise a really big thing. And remember my story when it was suggested to me that I take on sugar, I wasn't ready. And even when I had that, you know, pivotal experience in the hospital with my mom and I started Sweet Freedom in August of that that year, it was two years ago now, I wasn't ready to give up sugar. And what I did know is like that quote by Stephen Pressfield, and every creative knows Stephen Pressfield, right? War of art and and turning pro and do the work. Begin before you're ready, right? And it's in the beginning, it's in the doing that you become ready. And when you combine starting, whether you're ready or not, and just a knowing that if I start this, if I just move towards the, if I start to do the work, the readiness will come. And that's, that's actually what happened to me. And it's actually a significant part of the program. We get people to begin before they're ready. And then you tap that in with your why. Because if you don't have some really powerful and deep whys, why bother giving it up? You know, it's like... <laughs> And don't get me wrong, like I'm the kind of person, I believe that chocolate is God's way of saying he loves us and wants us to be happy. And I'd much rather live to 100 with chocolate than 120 without it. But what I do know is that I have, you know, an important thing that I want to do in the world. And it's become more important since I took on sugar. I want to have a million people doing this seven day challenge because I know it will start to get them ready to be in the place where they could actually conceive of giving up sugar. What are some of the more remarkable stories that you've had in your community of the people that have gone through the seven day challenge or, you know, continued on to the eight week program? Yeah. So I, in Australia, when I lived in Australia, I was there for 22 years. I was on the speaking circuit and I was a known face there in, in food and nutrition. I had celebrities and billionaires. I had uh, elite athletes like AFL football players and even NHL hockey players here in Canada and, that I would work with. And so Theo Fleury, who's an NHL hockey player who had been suffering with Crohn's disease for five years, had the surgery and nothing helped. And within six weeks of working, you know, together, his Crohn's disease reversed. He lost 40 pounds and he was at a, some kind of fundraising Philip philanthropic dinner and Brett Wilson, who's one of our shark tank, he dragon den billionaires, philanthropists was at the table and, and he said to Theo, so what happened to you? <laughs> and Theo said, Sherry Strong. And so Brett actually texted me at that dinner. He said, okay, I'm ready for the life-changing anti-diet. 
And so Brett was going through his second round of cancer. Now, a little backstory on that. He'd been through cancer and, and beat it. And then something like, I think it was probably about five or six years later, he didn't tell anyone, but he was starting to experience symptoms. And I had met him at a lunch almost 10 months before he would spoke to Theo. And I just noticed some things and I shot off an email and I said, you know what, I'm noticing some kind of things and I think it'd be really beneficial to work, work together. And then I like sent the, I just sent an email to a billionaire and told him what's wrong with him. I'm like, are you crazy? (laughs) I used my intuition. Anyway, he said, I'm not, not interested in working with you. And when he got the message from Theo, we started working together and, and on the different pieces and he's cancer free today. And if you ask him the number one thing, when you get diagnosed with sugar, what you should do. And this man has resources to anything and everything in the medical field. And the thing he'll tell you, the first thing you need to do is get off of sugar. So I've had a CEO of a, a company in Australia that was doing half a billion dollars a year. And he was came to me, he was recommended by a professor at Melbourne University who said, I think this person could actually help you. He had was diagnosed with diabetes. He was given a tear-off sheet of a diet from the doctor and his insulin. And when he came to me, I looked at the tear-off sheet and I started to scribble out all the things. I was like, you shouldn't be eating this. Like, what are they doing putting this? And then I, you know, I was kind of the wheels were turning in my head. I was like, why, who's prescribed this diet? I said, there's nothing in here that's going to heal your pancreas. It's not going to shoot your blood sugar to the moon, but it's going to keep you dependent on insulin. And I looked down and tear-off sheet was from the drug company that supplied the insulin. And so I said, we're not doing this, Andrew. And within seven days of working together, all his diabetes symptoms had disappeared. So his blood sugar normalized. I've had dramatic and remarkable weight loss stories. But to me, the most important stories are the everyday people like myself, who sugar was their kryptonite, and they actually thought it was impossible to give it up. And now they would actually, you know, say that they're stronger than sugar, and they they have sweet freedom in their life. That's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question that sugar is not good for you. Not just based on this interview, but I mean, if anybody does five minutes of research on the internet, you start to learn how horrible, especially those refined sugars that you're talking about are. Mm -hmm. So it's great to know that there is a resource like your free seven day challenge out there, which we will have in the show notes and that any of you guys can check out, take for free, learn more about Sherry. But Sherry, as we are looking ahead to what is in the future of your, I don't know what you'd want to call it, a creative but anti-sugar empire. Can I call it that? What do you see? And yeah, sure. yeah, I mean, I know you're excited to get to this million person goal, but you know, once you reach that, then what happens? Well, I'm a big believer in following intuition, even if it doesn't make sense. And so after building a career in Australia for 22 years, I was unknown in Canada. And that voice of intuition was just saying, go back home, go back to Canada. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. You know, I'm going to have to go back and build my reputation from scratch because I made most of my income from speaking. But finally the intuition yelled and I, I came back to Canada and I started Return to Food and Return to Food Academy, which then led to Sweet Freedom. And I really feel that this is kind of the bigger piece of the mission. So I'm really focused on Sweet Freedom and, and it really feels like it's the culmination of everything in my life that I've done, it's bringing it all together in a way that, oh, that weird thing that I did in 1995, that course I took, oh, I'm using it now. Or I, not many people know this about me, but when I left high school, I studied to become a missionary. 
And now the last, the, the latest book I'm working on is a book called How God Thinks We Should Eat. And that was a title that Neil Donald Walsh gave me in 2007. He looked at the illustrations from my book, Return to Food, and he said, you know what I think you should call this is How God Thinks, or he said what God thinks we should eat. And I've since changed it. But that voice of intuition for me will tell me the next direction. And if it's a resonant idea, an idea that just feels right and feels good and and isn't, you know, like pushing molasses uphill, that's where I'll go. So we have lots of things that we can do within Sweet Freedom as far as I've just, you know, worked on a tea that suppresses sugar cravings. We've got an essential oil. There's lots of physical products that we can create. And my greatest love is getting up in front of a stage and talking and, and speaking and inspiring people to return to eating real food and stepping into their, you know, the best version of themselves. Love this. And where can people find you? I know you already gave us a shout out, but tell us about your social. Remind us where we can take that seven day challenge. Let us know where to find Sherry Strong. Well, the seven day challenge is super easy to find on sweetfreedom.ca. And I have another, you know, website, Return to Food. But Sweet Freedom, we have over 50 recipes and blog posts and tips and, you know, all kinds of strategies to get off of sugar. There's a YouTube channel with my name, Sherry Strong, that we've got over 70 videos on there that go into, you know, the more mental, emotional, and spiritual strategy pieces of giving up sugar and helping you move towards that. Instagram, we have Sweet Freedom Life. So there's lots of touch points to find us. There's a Facebook group also, Sweet Freedom Life, if you look for that. And we put the newsletters up there and you can sign up and get the latest tips and and recipes as we post them. Perfect. And I just checked the Instagram. It is Sweet Freedom Life. So go check that out and go give it a follow. And Sherry, thank you so much for joining us for the show. And everyone out there, go take the challenge and go build your creative empire. Are you ready to build your own empire? For more information, show notes, downloads, and tips on how to do it, head to www.creativeempire.co, where you can find out more about this week's episode and the two lovely ladies behind it all, encouraging you to build your own creative empire. If you enjoyed this week's show, it would mean so much to Raina and Christina if you could take two minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review. It's a little thing that makes a big difference for the show. 